Today's episode of the PK Agilist podcast is proudly sponsored by Emergence, the Journal of Business Agility, brought to you by the Business Agility Institute. This quarterly publication brings you inspiring stories from the most innovative companies and explores themes of new ways of working, reclaiming management and humanizing business. Full details of how to subscribe and receive a 10% discount is available down below in the description. So today um, I'm welcomed by an awesome guest and I know they're really awesome because he's from Canada and uh, everyone from Canada is totally awesome. Uh, it's one of my most favorite places in the world. Um, and we're going to be talking about all things flow, value, value streams. Um, so if you're having, uh, if you require some inspiration around how do we improve flow uh, and value uh, in your organization, then um be sure to listen to this podcast. So without further ado, welcome to Steve Pereira. Hey, Steve. Hey, thank you for having me, Patty. It's great to be here. Uh, we've had great conversations so far, so really excited to dive in here and really get into some interesting conversation. Yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it. And I know you and I, Steve, we were, we were talking uh, just before we started recording about how wonderful your, uh, your camera is because... Uh, <laughs> You've got a professional-looking image there, unlike me, which, uh, yeah, isn't so great. Well, I try to fool myself that this actually matters to people, um, but it really is a, it's, it's procrastination, right? It's much easier to tweak a camera setup than to actually work on distilling content down or editing something or creating something from scratch. All that stuff is scary, but tweaking a camera, yeah. well, I could do that all day. Oh, Good. I mean, I, I was getting some tips from you about my background because I, I don't have as many books as I would like. So I'm still working on that. Um, but you you recommended a few things I could stick in the background. Oh, I think, uh, well, this was kind of um, me talking to myself as well. Like, I, I like the idea of plants in the background. So that, that might be something I go out maybe this week and uh, pick up a couple plants to add some life to my background because it's not where I would like it to be either. I've moved around. I've recently moved to this spot. So this is this is going to be the the desk home for a while. And uh, I think investing in some plants would be a good idea. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm liking the, the the way you've stacked your books there. They're sort of on the on, on, on the horizontal versus the vertical. Oh, they're not good. Yeah, they're not good vertical books. Um, but uh, yeah, the that whole thing is, I, I, I don't know. I need bookends if I was going to go vertical and then I'm just adding more, more and more stuff. So had to draw a line and just stack them. I've got a stack. I've got a stack here. That's like a monitor sitting on. If I showed you the behind the scenes, it's much messier, but um, <laughs> uh, it's a work in progress. Oh yeah. No, it looks good. It looks good. Right. So now that we know all about your camera setup, your background, um, Let's let's get to know you a bit better. So, Steve, tell us what do you do, and um, why are you so passionate about uh, flow and value? I I appreciate that question. Thank you. That's uh, we're getting to real backgrounds from from uh, from physical backgrounds. I have been running a consulting company focused on value streams for the past two or so years, and um, what that means is that I'm basically decided a couple of years ago that the thing that I was 
most passionate about. And the thing I kept coming back to also where I saw the biggest gap in the way that people do things right now and the way that I was doing things prior to a lot of this learning that I, that I gained is this concept of, you know, everything becoming more continuous and how team flow, organizational flow, workflow really is what, what we're talking about. When I'm talking about flow, I mean workflow, the flow of work through the organization, specifically across the organization, right? We're moving to these types of teams that are cross-functional, that are responsible for an entire product all the way from we come up with all the ideas, we own the product really, and we own the customer. So we deliver directly to the customer. And that's something that I think is not going away. I think we're leaning further and further into it and it's gonna become more and more the way that every organization is structured. And I could just sort of see that in the distance and, and I got really excited about that because there's, I found there's not enough people talking about this, um, but I see it as inevitable. So when I see something like that and I see an opportunity to contribute to something that's, that's coming that I can bring closer to the present and speed up a little and maybe make the transition a little bit easier, um, I looked back on my career and I started in tech support about a little over 20 years ago, fixing Windows problems and printer problems. And I went through IT, traditional IT and IT management. And then I got really passionate about software and what you can do with software and what you can do online. And I got into build and release engineering. And then eventually I, I uh, got into consulting to get exposure to a lot of different teams and a lot of different scenarios. Cause I was kind of I was seeing a limitation of like jumping from one company to another company and just seeing little vignettes, right? I wanted to see this, like, what is everybody doing? What are the things that are happening everywhere? And so consulting kind of led me to, to that uh, understanding. And then out of consulting, I signed on with a company as one of the first employees as a CTO. And I was a CTO for a couple of years. Because I really wanted to go, after going super broad, I wanted to go super deep and understand what is it like to build a technical organization from the, from the ground up. And um, these are all things where I saw, you know, a gap in my experience that I wanted to fill. And I, I've always had like super imposter syndrome because I never went to computer science school. I never went to post-secondary school. Um, aside from doing a stint in computer animation, because that's another thing that I was really passionate about. But um, throughout this entire career, sort of wandering through all these different scenarios, the thing that I would always gravitate towards was this idea of flow, this idea of how do we continuously deliver um, work. And later on in my career, I understood that this is what we're really talking about is value, not just work, not just doing things, but doing things that are valuable. How does that actually make it out into the world? Right. Cause I think as engineers, one of the most frustrating things is to build something that nobody uses or that never makes it to production or building the wrong thing. And I think that uh, once I learned about value streams and once I learned about this end-to-end -end flow of value that creates this kind of like highway for 
creating and delivering value to customers, everything sort of started to fall into place. And everything that I learned in the Agile community and in DevOps and uh, in business all started to converge with this one kind of paradigm, this one idea that kind of leveraged all of the learning that I'd ever accumulated and allowed me to sort of put it into something that uh, framed it and, and made it very easy to kind of understand new ideas, new concepts, because things like the theory of constraints, basically like you always have a bottleneck um, and your bottleneck moves and you're not gonna see the bottleneck unless you're looking at the widest possible range. You're, you're zoomed out sufficiently so that you can see the entire thing. All these things came together and just created this very powerful but simple way of looking at challenges across every organization. So I just felt like this was something that everybody needs to know about, but it also needs to be easy and very clear and simple. So my goal with Visible is to kind of take a lot of this stuff that is connected, but spread all over the place, distill it down into simple techniques and um, frameworks for and models of thinking that anybody can use because I really want everybody to start thinking this way. I think it really helps with collaboration, with velocity, with quality, with burnout, uh, sustainability, alignment across the organization, bridging this like business and technological divide where the two sides speak different languages. I just see it checking so many boxes. So uh, I've totally dedicated my life to this. And this is exactly where I'm focused for at least the next 20 years, I can wow. confidently say. <laughs> wow. No, I, I can clearly see the passion uh, and, and hear the passion in your voice uh, as well, Steve. So that that's uh, that's that's amazing to, to hear. And so with with Visible, with, with the company that you run, um, could you sort of tell us a little bit about how you're able to then help organizations with their flow? So is it a tool that you would sort of go in and implement? Is it some uh, other approach that you use? Do you sort of uh, facilitate workshops? So, so what, what is the offering from Visible that helps an organization figure out better flow? Yeah, well, I mean, thanks for asking about that. I, I'm I love talking about this because I think it's another thing that people don't um, spend a lot of time on because it's it, it it can be tough and it's it's mm -hmm. kind of ambiguous. But Visible is really focused on uh, providing collaborative mapping techniques to organizations. So mm -hmm. I think something that's really really powerful and underused is the idea of bringing people together and getting them to pull what's stuck inside their heads out into a space that other people can see and other people can then understand what everyone else is thinking and what everyone else is struggling with, the ideas everyone else has. Because one thing that is very true in my experience is that if you ask three people what 
the top priority is that you get three different answers, right? If you ask three people what their definition of agile is, you'll get three different answers. And so I think it's super important for us to pull these things out of our heads and reconcile them with everybody else, converge them with everyone else, right? Mm. We don't need a perfect definition, but we need a shared definition, right? Or else we're not speaking the same language. And all kinds of things happen when you're not speaking the same language. Um, you're, you're heading off in different directions, most likely. And that that's very common. So the idea behind Visible is to bring these collaborative mapping techniques to teams and organizations. Um, teams at the sort of micro level and organizations at the macro. So we can look at a zoomed in picture of a specific product team, for instance, or an infrastructure team, or a team that's migrating apps to the cloud. We can look at what they're doing with this, what they're struggling with, but we can also zoom it all the way out to talk to executive leadership and, and get them all on the same page or help them create uh, maps that can be shared with the rest of the organization. Because another challenge is even if you figure out what's going on among yourselves, among your peers, among the people who are close to you, um, how do you effectively communicate to the rest of the organization? And we do that right now through meetings and documentation and slide decks, uh, video conference calls. And what happens is, you know, we know that we can have a conversation and walk away with completely different understandings of what we just talked about, right? Unless you are an artist with conversation, uh, chances are the people who are leaving that conversation have their own understanding of what we just talked about. And they're going to go off in their own direction based on that understanding. So this idea of collaborative mapping, I find a really easy way of addressing all these challenges. We get people together. It's a team building exercise. It's a trust building exercise. And I focus on four maps that run in sequence. So first is outcome mapping. The first thing we look at is what are we trying to do? What are we trying to achieve? Because that is the most important thing before we start anything. And that is made up of challenges and goals. So we look at what are we struggling with? What are the things that we want to achieve? And out of that, we might pick a single outcome. Maybe we pick three that we can prioritize and we can say, this is the ultimate uh, desired outcome. Uh, or maybe this is the short-term outcome and this is medium and long-term. You can structure it really whatever, whatever the, the organization is really looking for, whether they're looking for long-term direction or like, we need something that's going to fix this problem tomorrow. Uh, it's flexible that way. But starting from outcomes, then what we do is we look at the value stream. So we look at what is what are we doing right now? Because obviously, if we were doing... Uh, something perfectly, we'd probably be at the outcome that we want already, right? So there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we're not at the outcome, or, you know, maybe we just want to accelerate our arrival to the outcome. We want to, we want to get there faster, or maybe we, we want to make sure we don't burn out on the way to that outcome. We're going there anyways, but how can we make it easier or faster or more productive? Nice. So the value stream really shows us what are we doing on a daily, on a regular basis? And where are the challenges there? What's slowing us down? 
Where's quality breaking down? Where are people um, not delivering the value that they could if we were doing things a little bit differently? And so that's where we start to get into this flow of what is going to get us to the outcome? What, what, what might we need to change in order to get to the outcome? And following on from that, we look outside the value stream at dependencies. So we look at what is what are the things outside of this workflow that might be slowing it down that we might not have control over, but we want to understand so that we can maybe go and try and, and mitigate those challenges. Maybe we can have a discussion with somebody and show them the map and show, you know, like this big constraint, this thing that's slowing everything down, it's, it's in your wheelhouse. So what, what can we do? Uh, is there anything you can do to help us? So we look outside with dependencies and we look inside with capabilities. So inside the stream, what we're doing, are we capable of operating at the level that's going to get us to the outcome? Or what has been slowing us down and preventing us from reaching our goals because we're lacking capability? And when I talk about capability, some people can get nervous because they think it's an individual focus, but it's a team focus. So in terms of capability, our capability might be automated testing. Now, as a team, what is our ability to create and maintain automated tests? That's going to dictate whether or not we get to the goal of full automation and CI/CD and all the things that we want, if we don't have the capabilities for them, we're really just hoping that it happens, right? Or we're just gonna like try and power through it. But I think a better option is how can we enable and support the capabilities that are going to deliver that outcome? So the process and the flow of these maps is really the, the main innovation, like the main thing that I've kind of created through the years at Visible and um, they're fully up, like anybody can use them. Um, they're not proprietary at all. Uh, and you can also swap them for anything. Like uh, a lot of people already do things like impact mapping mm -hmm. instead of outcome mapping. Outcome mapping is just my way of focusing on, on, on an outcome. Uh, but you can also use things like event storming instead of value stream mapping, anything that looks at flow. Uh, there's millions of different ways to look at dependency mapping. I just have one way that I like. And um, capability mapping is another thing that people have been doing for ages. I just have a very simple way of doing it that ties into the whole flow. And you can also bolt on a bunch of other things like any kind of mapping uh, might help in a given situation. So things like Wardley mapping or value chain mapping um, writing things like, or creating things like fishbone diagrams or Ishikawa diagrams or, or other options. And they can kind of, you can fit them into the structure to serve a purpose of creating more clarity and sharing this understanding across the organization. So that is a super long-winded explanation of how all this fits together and, and what visible is all about. Um, but I hope that uh, hope that answered the question well. Yeah, no, absolutely, Steve. And and I, I think the, uh, the the name visible is is totally appropriate from everything you're saying. There, it is very much about bringing people together and visualizing all of these things that are probably stuck in people's heads. And as you were talking that through, um, I was just thinking back to my days as a business analyst, um, and you know we, we used to 
do a lot of as-is process mapping and then creating 2B models. And I, 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 it was all just bringing back lots of memories because I'd, I'd often have that case where I've been speaking to an SME. They've told me this is how the process should run. And now I'm in a workshop and I have four or five other people and they've all of a sudden said, well, that's not how it works or right. that's not the way I do it, right? So having everybody in that room together or at least bringing those, those uh, people together in some way and allowing them to visualize what we're talking about um, really does, I, I think that is really, really powerful and um, we should do more of it. So uh, really good to see that you're, you're on that quest of, of, of doing that. And then I guess, Stephen, in terms of some of the work that you've been doing, um, could you share some examples of how you've helped certain industries um, sort of improve using this approach? Uh, what have been some of the, the outcomes from those initiatives? And um, and if, if have you got any non-tech examples as well? Because that, that that's always useful to to see how we're applying some of these methods in a in a non-tech environment. Yeah, well, th- that's uh, that's really interesting territory. The um, the concept of value stream mapping, which is where I kind of started, that was the that was the thing that I thought was kind of the superpower that everyone should be using and and isn't, or they're doing it in in a way that's overcomplicated or not valuable. Um, certainly, you know, I have a lot of conversations with folks who say, oh yeah, we're doing that. We're, we have process maps. And, and then they kind of, you know, they, they wonder why they're still kind of struggling and, and people don't really understand where to focus or, or invest their energy. And the, the wonderful thing about value stream maps is that they reflect reality and the reality of the team, not even, not even some, uh, objective reality or some definition of here's how things should work or here's how thing here's how we understand things to work from a s- individual or group perspective is collecting all those perspectives and getting them to really think about what what really does happen today if we were to do this thing today what would it look like and um, or what does it look like the last three times we've done it, it really depends on the team and, and how we want to kind of pull that information out but it doesn't have to be precise. Um, so people worry about, you know, oh, if I just ask everybody, we're gonna get six different answers and we're not gonna get the truth. Um, but the truth is a funny thing, right? I mean, it's it reminds me of like, all models are wrong, but some are useful, right? I mean, the, the truth is everybody has their own version running in their heads. Um, the key is kind of reconciling it, right? Getting all of the, picture all of the different angles and kind of assembling the elephant from all of the people kind of walking around it and touching it and communicating. Uh, So people have been doing this value stream mapping thing for ages, Uh, probably 70 years now is from like the point where it first started becoming a common practice. And so it started outside of tech, right? It was never, it never began in tech. Um, It began in an industry in in manufacturing where they had everything figured out, but they wanted to go faster, right? They they wanted to scale up. They wanted to increase complexity. And I think that that's why it's becoming so valuable now is that 
you know, it hasn't taken us um, 50 years of creating um, web applications to get to that point. Uh, many cases, organizations are already past that. They have astronomical scale and complexity. But your average organization is sort of where auto manufacturing was when it started adopting value stream mapping and using it as a regular essential practice. Um, so I think that, you know, its roots are in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it works extremely well with standardized work, which is another challenge in, in tech. So if you're just creating auto parts all the time, it's fantastic because everything should be exactly the same all the time. And if it's not, you know, there's a problem. In software, everything is different all the time. And so you can't think of it exactly the same way. Um, but another area that it works extremely well is healthcare, for instance. Mm -hmm. So you will have uh, a value stream for patient intake. So let's say somebody comes in off the street, how do you get them into the system, onto the waiting list, triage them, understand their symptoms as quickly as possible, get them to the right doctor or specialist and help them with their issue as efficiently and, and effectively as possible. That's a very powerful value stream. And it's, it's a place where a lot of value stream mapping is happening now because we have these tons of handoffs. We have a lot of things happening on paper. And so it's very easy to see, okay, well, if we were to apply some modern practices to this, if we look at the value stream supported by technology or we tackle some of the bottlenecks, what happens? We, we shrink these things dramatically and they can shrink from days down to minutes in some cases. And so healthcare is a very powerful space for this. And, and I know it was extensively used um, during COVID to really look at, okay, well, how are we going to uh, do rapid testing? How are we going to manage all of these influx of patients with this very specific challenge into the existing healthcare system and um, keep the lights on, but also deal with this volume. Uh, another place where it's, it's pretty common is things like sales. If you have like a sales process and you wanna look at, okay, we have people coming in uh, to the funnel we want to qualify them as leads. We want to have an initial conversation. We want to leverage that into maybe a proposal. And then we want to give them enough time to think about it, but not let them fall off the radar. And that's a little bit closer to technology because you know each client is different. You can have some kind of similarity, but most of your leads coming in are going to have you know a different motivation. They're going to have a different sense of urgency and all that adds this kind of variability that uh, can make it more challenging, but it doesn't mean that value stream mapping isn't valuable. The idea in knowledge work and in these more complicated domains like software is that you want to build in as much standardization as possible so that you can accommodate all the things that you can't standardize, right? But you can standardize a lot of things. So if we standardize uh, most of the things that just need to happen, regardless of the work that we're doing, whether it's a, you know, a, a huge task or a tiny little fix, um, 
then we can spend more time on being creative. And that's really what it's all about for me. It's like, how do you maximize your creative time, your human time, the thing that humans are really valuable for and get rid of all the things that should be robotic and should be standardized. Um, so again, sorry for the long, the long winded answer to get to your, uh, your idea of, um, or your question about examples. Um, there's a few that always stick out to me. One was my first really large client and they were running a four year release cycle. They were in medical Sorry, technology. Did, did you say four year release cycle? Four year release cycle. Yes, wow. exactly. It's hard mode. So th- because they were in medical devices and software. So right. with medical devices and software, there's a very long approval and regulatory compliance right. um, portion, but um, which may or may not be something that you can improve, right? So you have these areas of the value stream. Maybe there's something you can do about them, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. But there are areas that you can control, right? There are areas that you can actually improve. So we, um, we looked at mapping the value stream of this entire release cycle and looked for opportunities and gaps, but it was under the specific hypothesis that if they adopted um, automated deployment, that they would have a, a really um, valuable improvement in their process because they were deploying to different environments. Um, they had a complex um, arrangement of infrastructure. So deployment was a was something that people complained about. It was something that they saw as a gap. And what they were looking for, and the reason that they brought me in was they wanted to get budget from the board to implement automated deployment. And so uh, what happened was we, we mapped the value stream under the assumption that automated deployment would be a good idea. But what we actually discovered was that it was a minor piece, piece of the puzzle and there was testing and there was um, infrastructure automation were the, were the two areas that were 10 times and 100 times more impact on the value stream. So this was a big surprise to everybody involved. And it was a big surprise to me as well, because it was kind of early on. Now I, now I see a lot of repeated patterns across different teams. But um, instead of automated deployment, standing up and refreshing environments was a major time drain and very, very likely to fail. Also, they had a lot of issues where it would, it would break, it wouldn't work, and then they had to redo it again. So you're not only incurring a penalty of a lot of time, if you're doing it more than once, then you're incurring additional time too. Mm -hmm. And then automated testing is something that almost everybody struggles with, but they had this like very intense manual QA process. Um, So that was a huge, that was the, that was the hundred times uh, impact on the value stream. And what stuck with me out of this, so was we had these insights that were, we wouldn't have noticed it. We had no way of finding them otherwise without mapping the value stream. And this was an organization that had been adopting SAFE. So they, um, this was kind of before SAFE started talking about value streams, but um, they'd been 
doing this uh, enterprise migration to say for three years, and they still had these giant bottlenecks that nobody had noticed. And in one afternoon, actually in, it took us two hours to find those things. And um, the comment that always sticks with me and that kind of rattles around in my head is that there's, there was a, a program manager there who said, after we mapped the, the value stream for the first time, he said, I've been here for 19 years and this is the first time I've ever seen our process from start to finish. Oh. And they had, they had process diagrams, you know, they had a lot of documentation about how things were designed to work, but nobody had taken a step back and looked at how things actually did work. And that, that was the thing that I think was, was really powerful. Fantastic. That's, uh, yeah, I was going to say sort of taking a four-year release cycle, there's, there's probably a few opportunities in there somewhere to, to improve, but um at the same time, you've got to balance that with the sort of the the, the milestones that you can't move. Perhaps there's some mm -hmm. regulation uh, timeline that you just can't move, or uh, or some health um, sort of testing and, and checking, I guess. Um, so yeah, well, that's a really great example, actually, uh, Steve. So in in, in terms of um, the sort of organisations that could really take advantage of these techniques, I mean, would you say? it requires a certain uh, size of organization um, or is it pretty much useful to anybody, even very small organizations? That's, uh, that's another really interesting um, question. The, well, you've got the extremely large, I mean, I've never, I've never worked with a company that's larger than 80,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, there are, there are very few, you know, when you talk about organizations of, of, of that size. So we know it works exceptionally well there. I mean, it's been used in um, autom automotive. It's been used across, you know, Walmart, um, these like 100,000 people organizations uh, with very complex supply chains and value streams. Mm -hmm. So it works extremely well there. That's probably where you see the biggest uh, opportunities for improvement, right? Because at that scale, things get missed and people get busy and they don't take a step back. And very few people are using these techniques that that will look across uh, a large uh, portion of, of the organization. Um, but on the opposite end, I, uh, I mean, I've used this personally, you know, you could use this for your own morning routine, right? You can make a value stream of like, here's what I do every single day. What am I spending a lot of time on? What, what mm. could I possibly automate? Um, so I've done it for fun. I mean, it's not something that I, I really, I'm not a very systematic person in my personal life, which is maybe why I'm so fascinated by it. Um, because it doesn't come naturally to me. But uh, in the real world, in business, uh, I've worked with very small startups, very small and ambitious and fast-moving startups who don't really have a process, right? Or they have a process that's kind of loosely defined. And so a value stream map in that environment is less looking for waste that's kind of been baked into the system and looking for clarity, Right, so understanding the system. Um, there's kind of this spectrum 
if, if you're in a larger organization, what you're kind of interested in is what, what is, what parts of the system are we, have we sort of baked that we need to like uncreate or change? What are the things that we have standardized that aren't necessarily serving us or they're not providing enough value and we, we need to look at them? In a startup or a smaller organization, you have the opposite problem where we don't have a process or you know it's not tightly defined. We don't follow it on a regular basis. And we're looking for more understanding about where we could add some structure, add some consistency, add some uh, standardization so that we can either scale it or onboard new hires quicker because you know it's really hard to join an organization where there's no standard process or things are highly volatile or changing very often. So having something like a value stream map in that case can be really useful for many different reasons. Like one, training new people or people moving from team to team, being able to look at a value stream map and instantly understand here's how we do things is incredible. Um, I mean, that's valuable to any organization size, but in a smaller organization, what they're usually looking for is like, how do we add more consistency? How do we get better at estimating? How do we just feel more comfortable than, you know, going as fast as possible with all the assumptions that we have individually. And they might be seeing this kind of divergence of like people go off and they go, they do work and everybody does it differently. And it's very hard to predict what the outcome is going to be. It's hard to fix challenges because, we don't know if it's a one-off thing or if this is just going to happen forever. Um, there's a lot of different challenges depending on the size, but um, but at the end of the day, it's valuable at any scale uh, for different reasons, but any scale. Oh, superb! So um, that that that's great to know. So it's uh, it, it could help literally me, my home life. Maybe uh, I need to make some some tweaks to my my daily routine all the way up to like say those those large scale organizations like Walmart etc. So uh, that that that's really interesting. I'm conscious of time, Steve, because uh, we've we've sort of uh, raced through um, and time flies when you're when you're enjoying yourself. But um, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about you know what, what's what's next for you, what's uh, coming up, any exciting projects, any initiatives that you'd like to share, um, and we'll post. Any of the links in the show notes as well. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's always lots going on. I really appreciate the time. I know I, I tend to I get excited about these things, especially when okay. I don't have an agenda that I need to fire through. Uh, I'll just go wandering. So I thank you for that, and thanks to the listeners for for your patience. And I hope it's been valuable. Uh, but lots of lots of exciting stuff happening in the space. So. I am a board advisor uh, in something called the Value Stream Management Consortium, which is all of the the folks making tools and uh, looking at the industry of value stream management, this this arising industry that's kind of taking DevOps broader across the organization and really kind of leveling up um, the visibility of performance and operations in organizations. Um, and that's really exciting because it means that all these vendors are gonna be cooperating to kind of spread understanding um, to level up capabilities. 
and ultimately provide, because right now I, I, I wouldn't say that the tools are there to make this very easy to adopt um, from a management perspective. If you're in an organization, you wanna see how is uh, value created and delivered in my organization and, and measure the progress and measure, measure the performance, um, it's not trivial. It's going to take time to hook up all your apps to it and get the data flowing. And you probably have to make it really consistent. Um, so that I think is evolving very quickly, but things like the consortium are really driving that forward um, faster. So I'm very happy to be a part of that um, from the sort of people side of it. You know, my perspective is how do I, um, how do I bring a perspective that's focused on collaboration and shared understanding to this, um, not being a tools vendor and not really, I don't really care about tools. Um, I care more about people. So we're working actually on a course around value stream management, which is gonna introduce concepts of value streams, the history, um, how to map, how to look across your organization and see the value stream and measure it. Um, that, so that's coming out, I believe in the fall. Um, I'm in talks. I can't really, I can't really, um, confirm this, but I'm working on a book that's coming out next year. Uh, it's going to be a big, uh, a big deal for value stream thinking and value stream mapping and just collaborative mapping this idea of bringing all these different perspectives together. So working on that, I've also got the Flow Collective. So anybody who's interested in flow and this idea of collaboration across the organization, uh, flowcollective.org is a community of peers that uh, we meet on a weekly basis and we talk about all kinds of different things. We have a lean coffee and we talk about um, challenges, ideas, uh, models, frameworks, things that we've seen all over the place. We discuss books and um, big thinkers in the space, history. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's incredibly fulfilling. And the last thing I'll mention is uh, an ebook. So if anyone is interested in really seeing what this looks like and, uh, and giving it a try for themselves, I created a book that's at flow.visible.is. And uh, it's a free ebook that takes you through all of the four mapping techniques that I mentioned, what they look like, how to do them, what you use them for, and uh, with examples of what happens when you do this kind of work. So uh, hopefully that's valuable to folks. Um, and uh, that's about it. Fantastic. I was going to say, um, I, I've been doing a lot of value stream mapping over my career, but uh, I never knew this whole world existed of all of these other great resources. So thank you so much for sharing that, Steve. I'm sure um, others out there who, like me, didn't know about it, uh, will certainly check some of those links out. So like I said, we'll, we'll share those as well. Um, so I just want to thank you so much uh, for taking time out today. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Um, one, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is uh, just meeting really interesting people. And it's not always even the show session itself. You know, there's there's time that we spend before we get into the live session, and um, that that's always nice to uh, build those relationships. So thank you so much. Yeah, likewise, uh, it, it's been wonderful talking with you and and getting to know you. And I think you know we'll be we'll be in touch pretty often. So that's that's wonderful. Fantastic. Thank you, Steve. Thank you.